So most of us either uh, discovered the Bible as a child uh, growing up uh, in church or um, we were introduced to it by somebody who probably themselves discovered it as a child. And trying to wrap your mind around the Bible as a child is impossible. Uh, just ask uh, anybody who ha has taught the little kids uh, back in Sunday school, <laughs> trying to explain Bible stories and some of the questions that those things. Uh, and then as you're going through trying to figure out which ones you're going to talk about to the kids, you, uh, you don't realize what's in a lot of the Bible stories until you're like, oh man, how am I going to explain that to a kid? We'll just skip that one. We'll skip on over that one. Uh, nope, no uh, sleeping with sisters. Nope, nope, no murders. No, nope. we're going to skip over a lot of this stuff. Uh, and so what we tend to do is we tend to highlight a few stories, right, that have a, a, a few, we have a few overall plot points of the Bible uh, memorized as the average Christian and churchgoer. Uh, and as a child, that is great uh, as you begin to explore uh, the world to have some of those foundational ideas uh, out there. Um, but the problem is that most adults um, never prog progress past this uh, basic understanding that they're kind of introduced to in the Bible as a kid. Uh, for many, many adult Christians, it's the same book now as it was when they were kids and being introduced to. And so consequently, here's what happens, is that for a lot of Christians, the Bible just ends up not being very applicable to real life. Now, the stories that you learned as kids and, uh, you know, the things that, that the Sunday school teacher had you repeat over and over again so you could go home and at least, uh, you know, make your parents think you learned at least one thing in Sunday school, uh, that those things don't really uh, begin to translate. And that lack of development in our understanding of the Bible, uh, it, it leads to uh, the Bible sitting on a shelf and never being read. It leads to the Bible, maybe, maybe, uh, it's uh, one of those that uh, maybe it sits on a coffee table in the house, never really gets opened up. Maybe, perhaps, maybe, uh, you know, we're not really that kind of, uh, we're not really that kind of church. I don't, uh, I don't think I've created this atmosphere as a, as a preacher, but uh, I know that there uh, definitely are environments where if the pastor shows up to visit the home, people are like, got to get that Bible out on the oh man, it's dusty. <laughs> get that dust off there. Get it out there. We can maybe open it up. Let's crease some of those pages and make it look like it's being read. Uh, I've, I've, seen, I've seen these things happen. Um, so for the next few weeks, here's what's going to happen. Uh, I am going to do everything that I can possibly do. I'm going to pull out all the tricks in my bag um, to try and convince you to read your Bible. Uh, now, that may sound a little like presumptuous because there's a, uh, there is a, a, an assumption being made in that statement, and that is uh, you're not currently reading your Bible. Now, I realize that's a very judgmental assumption to be making. I also realize, statistically speaking, it's fairly accurate. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, if I weren't a professional Christian... <laughs> that it was my job to sit up here, it would be tough for me to sometimes uh, crack that thing open and take a read on it. And, uh, but in reality, uh, the Bible is the richest, deepest book on the planet, right? And, and if you have attended tapestry for very long, you've heard me on other occasions tell you that you should read it. Usually it's when I'm in the middle of talking about something that I think is just absolutely amazing and life-changing. 
And I'll be like, you really, really, really got to read this thing. And the reason I say that um, is because the extent of most Christians' experience uh, or interaction with the Bible is whatever their pastor reads to them on a Sunday morning and then tells them what it means. That's the average interaction of Christians with the Bible, right? And that basically turns into what is essentially just religious bedtime stories for us. That's, that's, how we, that's how we handle it. And not coincidentally, a lot of people fight falling asleep during church. <laughs> um, it's a little uh, easier now uh, for you guys to not do that, uh, now that the lights are on and I can see you real good post-COVID. Uh, man, it used to be dark in here. Uh, and uh, I had lights in my eyes. I couldn't really see what was going on. I wondered sometimes if all of you guys were quite uh, awake. But um, listen, most people... Most people don't even bring a Bible to church because churches put it on the screen. So let me see all of you good Christians. Hold up your Bible for me this morning. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Everybody reaching your phone. Yeah, listen, that does not count. <laughs> that doesn't count. We'll talk about that a little later. So here we go. <laughs> uh, here we go. Um, listen, I've done everything I can over the last however many years I've been doing this, to try and make it interesting to you. I've presented Bible stories like soap operas, where there's been all kinds of drama, and I've left you hanging at the end with the <gasps> moments, and be like, you got to come back next week. I, I've tried to leave you hanging. I've tried to make some of the stories pretty juicy. I've tried to paint pictures uh, in such a way that you could close your eyes and imagine yourself being there. I don't think you guys appreciate the wordsmith I am uh, <laughs> on a Sunday morning here. I've tried all kinds of things to get you interested enough to pick it up and read it for yourself. So for the next uh, few weeks, this is going to be my focused, concerted effort to read the amazing gift we've been given that we call the Bible. Now, before we jump into all of it, uh, let me tell you why I think that this is so important. Uh, and I mean this to be inspirational, not offensive. Um, so if it is offensive, uh, that's your fault. You're taking it wrong. <laughs> no? All right. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe I'll be offensive. I don't know. It's not meant to be, uh, <laughs> it's not to be uh, offensive, but um, if, you're, if you're a Catholic or a Protestant, your worldview has been extraordinarily impacted by the Bible, right? The things that make you feel guilty, that's been impacted by the Bible, right? The things that make you feel like, oh, I'm cool with God. I'm in a good position. That's been impacted by the Bible. The way you view right and wrong generally through life, if you've got a religious background, has been impacted by the scriptures. So many things um, in your everyday life have been impacted by what is supposedly in the Bible. So with that being said, the natural Conclusion to that is you owe it to yourself to read it. If your life is so formed by what's supposedly in there, you owe it to yourself to give it a read. Because every day you make decisions on what you think is right and what you think is wrong. Now, you don't always make the decision that matches up. You may do what you know to be wrong. We've talked about that in the past. Um, but you make those decisions. And when pressed on why you might have made a specific decision, on what is right and wrong, you'll probably, you know, retreat to some sort of religion, God, pastor said, Bible explanation. I don't know. I got that idea from somewhere in that realm. 
of what was good, what was bad, what I'm supposed to do and what not to do. And what drives your values and shapes how you view God comes from the Bible. So it's worth reading. Um, You owe it to yourself. And here's what you'll find. If you go through and actually give the Bible a good read, here's what you'll find. You will find that a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff uh, that you think is in there, you'll be shocked to find is not actually in there. So many things that we've thought just were part of the Bible. You'll get in there and you'll be like, wait, 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 wait. I grew up believing this one thing or thinking this one thing. I was always taught that. Where's that? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And you look and, you know, what version you're reading. Oh, maybe I've got a different version of the Bible. If I get a different version, it's going to say that, you know, uh, maybe it's going to be in there. Um, You know, maybe they forgot to put it in, in this version, but it isn't in there. And on the flip side, which is great, is that there are all kinds of things in there, in the scriptures that you had no idea about. Now listen, I'm, I'm, if you're going to go through all the trouble of getting up, waking up on a Sunday morning, because I know there's other things you could be doing, uh, if you're going to go through all that trouble, get dressed, go out to church, hoping, uh, I hope you show up, hoping to have some kind of experience with God and to learn something. Um, if you're going to do all of that, don't you owe it to yourself to at least read the book that we're basing everything on? I would say the answer to that would be yes, because listen, it is not enough just to listen to somebody talk about it. It's not enough. Even though I'm the best talker about it, or there is. <laughs> I'm not, I'm feeling pretty good about myself this morning. You guys don't seem to be on board. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but, but you owe it to yourself to be more familiar with it than whatever I decide to get up here and talk about on a Sunday morning. And the incredible thing is that in this country, we have access to it. Easy access to it, right? There are countries in this world where for them to get Bibles, they've got to be smuggled in. They're not allowed to have them. There are countries where it's illegal to print, sell, or own your own Bible. It's a very dangerous, very divisive uh, piece of literature in parts of the world. There are governments who are afraid of their people starting to read the Bible. And you and I have free access to it every single day. In fact, most households across the country have more than one copy stuck around somewhere in their house, right? Number one selling book ever, every year. It's not even on the New York Times bestsellers list because it would just be number one perpetually. And so it's not even on the list. And we've got that easy of access to it every single day. And I know some of you, I'm sure all of you, At one point, I've been like, yep, I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to read the Bible. And then you start, you're reading the Bible and you're like, oh, it's hard. Oh, it's hard. You get one of the old versions with the old English and you're trying to read along and you're just like, oh. Then you get to sections and there's a minute. You're like, oh, well, that was kind of exciting. And then it goes through chapters and you're just like, I have no idea what they're talking about. This is the most boring thing ever, right? And you're like, oh, okay. It was hard. I tried it. I don't want to try that again. Um, But let me tell you what is hard. Here's what's hard. Hard is making stupid decisions in your 20s that haunt you into your 30s and 40s. That's hard. Anybody in your 30s and 40s paying for your 20s decisions? Can I get an amen? Yeah, that's difficult. Hard is making really bad value judgments uh, that haunt you in your next phase of life. 
Uh, Hard is making poor decisions on who you marry and how you conduct that marriage once you are married, right? Hard is raising your kids in such a way um, that it takes them to a place that you don't want to be and wishing that you could do it all over again. That's hard. Spending 10 to 15 minutes a day working your way through some literature that may not be the easiest thing to read, ah, come on, that's not all that difficult. It's not really that difficult. So I want you to read the Bible, right? Well, well, you know, a lot of the a lot of pushback when I talk a lot, of, well, I'm not sure I believe it or believe everything in it. There's some pretty far-fetched stuff in there to which I would say you don't actually read anything because you actually believe it. That's not why, that's not why you read things. You don't, you don't pick up the, the magazines to read while you're laying around the pool on the beach because you believe everything in those magazines. <gasps> she did, he did, they said that. What? She's on her fifth secret pregnancy. These aren't the, <laughs> you don't read those things because you believe it. Heck, hey, any news sources that you actually read anymore, you don't really necessarily read those things because you believe them. You read them to hear what's being said, what might or might not be out there. Because you believe something isn't really ever the basis of why you read something, right? It's never been that. You don't have to believe something is true to read it. Because you make decisions every day based on what is written in this book and has shaped our society and has heavily influenced your ideas of religion. And so it is impacting you and shaping your life. So whether you actually believe everything in it or not is kind of irrelevant as to whether or not you should read it because it's such a big influence, you should at least have read it. Now, today I wanna start out this whole series um, by uh, looking at a passage that overtly explains how the Bible become, can become very real and practical in your life. How it is something for you. And then we're gonna go over the next several weeks, we're gonna talk about what it is, how we got it, what we should do with it, the way we should approach it, the way we shouldn't, and all of these types of things. But today I wanna start out by looking at how it can be practical and personal. So we're going to be in Psalms chapter 119. And the cool thing about this is that uh, it was written by David. And he probably, when he wrote this, he probably only had maybe the first seven books of what we call uh, the Bible at the time. Uh, They were written several hundred years before he was born, and uh, which is really important to kind of the timetable of what we're going to talk about. So David is going to refer to himself reading the scriptures, which were written hundreds of years before him. And when he refers to himself reading the scriptures, obviously it's not everything we have. It's just like the first seven, right? But he is going to say, uh, he's going to say, here's what he's going to say about something written hundreds of years before he came along. Um, Here's what he says. Verse 97 of 119 in Psalms, he says this, Oh, how I love your law. The first five books are generally considered the, the, uh, the Jewish law uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, to say how I love your law is kind of a weird thing to say. How I love your law. Uh, but what he's saying is how I love these scriptures. How I love these words that have been handed down from God to us. 
Um, to which we may ask, well, uh, okay, David, well, what exactly do you mean you love it? And so he explains. He says, I meditate on it all day long. Now, he's the king. It's not like David is just sitting around with nothing to do. It's not like there aren't demands on his time. It's not like there aren't people lined up trying to get to him. But throughout the day, he says, portions of the scriptures, portions of your law come to my mind and I spend time thinking about them. Now, let me ask, what do you think about all day long? What do you think about, right? And how do the things that you think about all day long impact your decisions? David says, I love the scriptures. I've incorporated them into my daily thoughts. And then this is where it gets rich. Verse 98, he says this, your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. Now this is cool and here's why. Because in the scripture, we discover some things. Through reading scriptures, you discover how God views the world, right? And if you wanna view the world the way that God views the world, I would say it's pretty important that you start to get a grasp of how God views the world. Here's another thing we discover when we're reading the scriptures. Uh, What God values, what he places value on, kind of the hierarchy of how he does things. Uh, uh, Here's what else we discover. Uh, We discover things in the scripture that God thinks doesn't work. (laughs) Things that make sense to us in our experience, in our way of thinking, and we read into the scriptures, oh yeah, God doesn't think that really works. And David says, as I've saturated my mind, as I've saturated my mind with the scriptures and how God works, it comes to uh, my mind when I need it and it makes me wiser than my enemies. Because wisdom oftentimes, oftentimes is about reading between the lines. It's about being able to extrapolate things out of something that you don't have the full picture, but you're able to get it, right? Anticipating what needs to happen based on what is happening around you. And he says, David says, your commands, your rules, your laws, the things you tell me to do are always with me. In other words, he has saturated himself so much with the commands of God that they just come to him throughout the day during the critical times of decision-making as a king. He keeps going, he says, I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. And insight is the ability to, to relate unrelatable things in such a way that you see things that other people miss. That's what insight is, right? You look at unrelated things and are able to put them together and have an understanding that the people around you just can't seem to fit the pieces together. Everybody sees the dots, but you're able to connect them and make the picture. That's what insight is. You're able to read between the lines. And David says, because I've saturated myself with your commands and with your scriptures, I have more insight than even people who are further along in life than me. Even people who have more experience than me. Because he says it, I have more understanding than the elders. Essentially, he's saying, because of the scriptures, I am wise beyond my years. And people may ask David, how could you know? How could you know that? You are so young. And he would say, well, I've filled my mind with the thoughts of God, and God knows how everything works. 
And as he would spend time talking to his elders and to his advisors and those around him, he realized, man, these guys may be older with more life experience, but I've got more understanding than them. He says, I'm more understanding the elders for, and this is a whole different avenue, for I obey your precepts. Now, here's something that we hit on from time to time uh, over the years at Tapestry. In the scripture, we're taught that oftentimes uh, obedience to God will bring you insight, right? We think, God, if you explain that, then I'll do it. That's kind of how we approach it. Like, God, if you make me understand why you're asking me to do the thing, I'll do the thing. When so many times, the way that it's set up is God saying, no, 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 no. I'm asking you to do the thing. Just do the thing without understanding why. And then on the tail end of it, you're going to see and understand at a greater depth. And you will have built trust in me and gained wisdom and understanding. Right? But all of us have this thing inside of us. We want to know why before we commit to doing anything. And so God's like, yeah, no, that's not how I'm going to work a lot of times. I know you want to know, but I'm asking you to trust me. Because on the other side of obedience, especially obedience when you don't have understanding yet, you'll find clarity, you'll have extraordinary insight. Not only will you breathe a sigh of relief that you chose to do the thing, but you'll get it. And you'll understand the full ramifications of what would have happened had you not done the thing that God asked you to do. So as David said, I have more understanding because I've learned to obey. He keeps going. He says, I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I may obey your word. Now, there's a question as to when David uh, wrote this actual piece, uh, because clearly there are some times in the life of David where he did not keep his feet from every evil path. Those are some pretty well-known stories. But he says, I have not departed from your laws. And then I love this part. And here's, here's uh, what I hope you leave with today. He says, I've not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. David says, when I open up the scriptures and I reflect on the words, I feel as if God himself is teaching me. Now, here's what I know. Anybody who has spent much time uh, reading the Bible on a regular basis will tell you that there have been times that they have been reading the words and it feels like God is talking directly to you. I've had those times. I'm sure some of you have had those moments, right? Now, this is why this is so important is because we spend a lot of energy trying to get God to do things for us. I mean, we will try and make sure we keep the right prayer pattern and, you know, we'll hear different people tell us how long we're supposed to pray and the way we're supposed to pray and we'll do it and do it and do it. And well, if I behave, then pray. Or if I give in the offering, then pray. Or if I behave, then give in the offering, then pray. And then if I, you know, maybe I've got to have a certain number of days, uh, Sundays in a row where I didn't miss any church. And we spend so much energy trying to figure out the way to get God to do something for us. But what if, what if just maybe, Instead of doing something for us, God is trying to say something to us, right? We, we spend time uh, as tapestry talking about how, how, how selfish our prayers can be when we're trying to get things from God. What if God wants to say something? 
Well, what if, just go with me, what if the Bible is the main way that God chooses to speak to us? What if it's not preachers on a Sunday morning with a microphone? Now, that's a hard thing for a lot of American Christians to grasp that maybe, maybe, maybe preachers aren't the mouth of God. Maybe the Bible is, right? And David says, that's how I see it. David didn't say, God, you are teaching me directly because I listen to people come in and tell me what the Bible says. No, it's when I read the words. He keeps going, he says, how sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. In other words, as I have read your laws, they have shaped my values. They have shaped my understanding of what is right and wrong. They have shaped the way I see the world. They have shaped my priorities. Then, then he gets to this very famous verse that many of you have heard before. He says this, verse 105, your word is a lamp for, what's the word there? My, personal, my feet, to which I say, wait, 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 hold up there, David, hold up. This was written hundreds of years, these scriptures that you're talking about, hundreds of years before you came along. How can it be a lamp for your specific feet? David, that is very personal. That is very narrow. You are talking about as if God knows the exact circumstances you are going through in your life. And these words are meant specifically for you. And David's like, yeah, that's exactly how it is. It's exactly what I'm saying. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for, there it is. What's the word? My path. In other words, David is telling you the scriptures and reading them are extraordinarily personal. Extraordinarily. This isn't just some big theology out there for us to kind of try and get under, right? This isn't just what the preacher can figure out to tell us on a Sunday morning, you know, and only the preacher can tell us because, you know, he went to seminary and studied this stuff and somehow there's a, you know, God speaks to the preacher in a way that he doesn't speak to all of uh, the rest of us and so he knows better. Let me let you in on a little secret. God doesn't speak to me any different and any more than he would speak to any of you. I, I remember a long time ago when we first started uh, Tapestry, we had some people coming and, um, we're really enjoying it and getting a lot out of the services. And, and we were going around, walking around uh, downtown one night. I forget what we were doing. We might have been sticking some tapestry cards into, into some car windows. And, um, you know, a group of people from the church were going with us. And we were just sticking cards in the windows for people to find. And uh, we're talking about, hey, you know, there's a new series coming up. And, you know, I said something to Brad about what we needed to do to make it happen. And one of the, one of the people that was walking with us was like, wait, 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 wait a minute. How do you come up with your series? Well, like, I don't know, we sit around and talk about topics and, you know, ones that we think, you know, might be good to talk about and then we'll go and read some stuff and see what other preachers have said about it and these kinds of things and we'll kind of collect it and we'll go and, you know, we'll find a, you know, finally get a topic and lay it out over the weeks and when we want to do it and then Brad will go find a video or make a video that helps, da, 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 da. And like, they were, they, were, they were taken aback. They're like, wait, God doesn't tell you what to preach about? We're like, no, <laughs> no, we just, 
Yeah, we come up with it on our own. And they were devastated. Like the idea, like the, there was the, the idea out there that as a pastor, I had some special avenue to God and God was just pouring it all out as everything I was supposed to say and when I was supposed to say it and what topics and when to do it. And they thought it was just this big spiritual, magical thing that they didn't have access to. And that's not at all what it is. <laughs> that is, we sit around and it's like, well, what do we want to talk about next? That's how we figured out. I don't have any more access or a pipeline to God than any of you have. You know, and, and this, you know, David writes this in, in a time when, when uh, it wasn't a time when academics were big in people's lives, right? You read the life of David, you don't read about all of his educational experiences. That's not what was going on at the time, right? He fought for his life from a young age. Danger and death from a young age, right? That's what he did. He was thrust into a situation uh, where he became king overnight and was in charge of a nation. And he was young and he made mistakes like somebody who was thrust into a throne overnight and was young. It wasn't an intellectual pursuit. This was a guy who, in the time of writing it, he was desperate for the direction from God. He said, look, I only know what I know, and I'm going to read and meditate on God's word to try and become wiser. David's like, listen, here's what I am. I am a warrior with blood on my hands. That's what David was. A warrior with blood on my hands. I've made many mistakes. And if David were honest, he would have said to you, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know how I got to be on the throne. But God, I need you to speak to me like you spoke to Moses before me. And he discovered this is how it happens. I meditate on your law. And he says, when I do that, it's as if God is speaking directly to me. Now, listen, I want that all of you so bad. I want you to be able to feel like that when you open up and read the scripture. I've had moments where I've been reading the Bible and I've just broken down because it feels like the words coming off of the page were written specifically for me in the circumstance that I was experiencing in my life. Right, As if whoever was writing that piece of scripture knew that a couple thousand years later, I would be reading it. That somehow God had let them in. Hey, we're gonna get into the 2000s and there's gonna be this dude and he's gonna be in the middle of all this stuff and he's gonna start thinking weird and you need to write this to get him back in on point. And he wrote it and it was just for me. I've had those feelings. And there are times that I've read the scripture and after reading them have felt completely and entirely inadequate for where I was. And God used that to bring his word and his instructions back to my mind. And that could never happen if I didn't read it. And listen, it's okay to read the Bible. And when you get done reading, being like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't have any idea what I just read was about. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. That's okay. Just read it. Just start. And over the next several weeks, I'm gonna start giving you some easy steps to be able to start to do that. But here's one of the, mo 
the main motivations for me um, to read the scriptures. Because he, here's what happens to me when I don't. When I go periods of time where I haven't read the Bible, he, here's what happens. And Kate will attest to all of these things. Here's the first thing. First thing that happens is I tend to magnify the weakness of others and overlook my own. That is, I start to see all the things you guys aren't doing right, all the things you're not good at. Meanwhile, I'm Superman to myself. I have no flaws, right? Suddenly, suddenly all of my problems are the fault of all of you, everyone else around me, right? But when I read God's word, I walk away thinking, "Mm, I need to work on me. I need to work on me. Here's another thing that happens when I haven't been reading the Bible in a while. Uh, I tend to evaluate everything that I see as to if that is all that there is, right? We spend a lot of time talking about how God is up to things far bigger than what we can see going on around us, right? And in our little lifespan, that there's a whole narrative that is spanning history, that God is working on and we've got a piece of it. And there are times that we get so concerned and caught up into the circumstances that are immediately around us that we can't see the bigger picture. And that's what happens to me, right? When I get away from the Bible, I evaluate based on everything around me happening under the idea that that's all that there is. And I forget the bigger picture. Here's another thing that happens. I tend to become very selfish. I do. When it comes to my possessions, my relationships, um, the way of thinking about other people, putting other people first, even considering other people's feelings or thoughts on anything, I get very selfish when I stop reading the scriptures on a regular basis, right? I forget who gave me what I have. I forget whose things, my things, actually are, right? And I, and I forget how important other people are in my life. And there's a direct correlation between the amount of time that I spend reading the scriptures and how long I've gone without reading the scriptures and how selfish I'm being in my life. Direct correlation. Then here's the last thing that happens to me a lot is that I tend to hold on to anger. I tend to hold on to anger, and I bet a lot of you do too. Um, apart from the Bible, there's really no logical reason for me to let go of my anger, right? After all, when you're angry at somebody or something, it's you wronged me, and now you owe me. And until you pay me what you owe me for wronging me, I'm going to tell the story and be angry about it, right? And then I open the Bible, and guess what I find? God says, uh, you wronged me and, and you owe me, but I forgave you. Now it's real hard when you keep that idea in front of you to hold your anger against everyone else. Because he says, not only did you owe me and I forgave you, oh, by the way, I forgave you by paying a price that you owed, Now, Jesus tells us, I want you to go and do that for everyone else in your life. And when I stop reading the Bible and go periods of time within it, I realize that the list 
of the people that owe me and have wronged me grows. But if I'm in the Bible on a regular basis, that list tends to stay real short, right? Now, that's my journey. I'm sure you guys have your journey, right? But God has given you the words of the Bible and most of your life is influenced by it. And so you need to read it, right? Because what if, wild idea, what if God wants to tell you something? You can't depend on me and Brad to come up with the topic of the week and hope it's what God wants you to hear. Because he's given you the scriptures and it's through that that he will speak to you. You don't want to spend another season of your life missing what God may say. Now, all of that is the personal, what it can become what it has been to people in the past, right? So for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna break it down as to what it is and how you can begin to attack it and understand it. But until then, know that the scriptures are personal for you and they are the way that God will primarily speak to you in your life. All you've gotta do is read them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this absolute treasure that is these collection of writings that we have such easy access to. And Lord, you would think that for, for as many times as they have been so alive and pertinent and transformational, transformational in my life and I'm sure in the lives of others in this room and watching that have read the scriptures, you would think it would be easier for us to stay in the habit of reading it. But God, for some reason, it is difficult for us within our schedules, within our enjoyment of maybe just reading, period, no matter what the subject is. Lord, I pray that over these next several weeks, as we discover the depth and the beauty and the value of the scriptures, Lord, that you begin to help us to see them in a new way. And as we begin to engage with them in the ways we're gonna talk about over the next several weeks, Lord, cause them to come alive in our lives and let the words we read off the page at times feel as if they were directly written to us. Lord, I thank you for this gift that you've given us. In your name, amen. Man, thank you so much for being out today. Uh, look forward to next week as we uh, begin to dissect and understand really what the scriptures and the Bible are uh, and have a great week until we can meet together again.